It's June the 1st, 2018. We're days away from my birthday and days away from the start of ULAR, but this is the Room Now Week in Review. I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. In the news this week, we have FDA approvals for, new, for old drugs and new indications. We get some information about what to do when considering transplant in our GPA patients. And there's some bad news to take note of for patients with early arthritis from a few different studies. But first, the scoop on FDA approvals. UCB announced this week that sertolizumab simsia was approved for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis based on over a thousand patients in three very large phase three trials, wherein the uh, POSSE 75 results were somewhere around 75 to 82% by week 16. This now makes psoriasis amongst a few other indications that are FDA approved for sertolizumab, including rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, ankylosing spondylitis, and psoriatic arthritis. This week, Pfizer announced that the FDA also approved Zelgans for use in patients with moderate or severe active ulcerative colitis. The interesting thing about the use of tofacitinib here is it's approved at a higher dose than is what usually is used in rheumatoid arthritis. The 10 milligrams BID dose is the starting dose is used for eight weeks and thereafter the patients can be lowered to five milligrams BID. This is notable in that it is the first 10 milligram BID uh, dosing indication for this drug that was originally sought for for rheumatoid arthritis but denied for lack of efficacy and maybe some concern about safety. Speaking of safety and tofacitinib, uh, Kevin Winthrop reported in the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation journal IBD that among uh, their clinical trials for ulcerative colitis that involved 1,157 patients, there was a 5.6% risk of developing herpes zoster. That's a total of 65 cases, 11 of which were multidermatomal, and there was one case of herpes encephalitis. That makes the hazard ratio a fourfold increased risk, which is about on par what's been seen for tofacitinib in rheumatoid arthritis uh, and where it's been studied elsewhere. Those at risk for zoster in the ulcerative colitis population include the elderly, Asians, those who had prior exposure to a TNF inhibitor, and those who were receiving the higher dose of 10 milligrams BID. So again, maybe while there is some benefit, added benefit with a higher dose, maybe there's an added risk, especially in just these patients with ulcerative colitis. An interesting report comes out of the Canadian Medical Journal. This is on a population-based study looking at almost 300,000 young girls between the ages of 12 and 17 who received the quadrivalent uh, HPV vaccine. And specifically what they were looking at was would there be an increased risk or an increased observance of autoimmune diseases when these people were followed for a number of years. And they looked at a number of them, including Graves' disease, Bell's palsy, JIA, lupus, and lupus-like diseases, autoimmune hemolytic anemia, et cetera. And there was no increased risk of autoimmune disease in patients who received the inactive quadrivalent HPV vaccine. A very interesting study comes out this week from Annals Rheumatic Disease, where in investigators looked at the U.S. renal transplant system, and specifically they looked at those uh, patients who had end-stage renal disease due to GPA, uh, granulomatous polyangiitis, uh, and saw what happened what, uh, as far as their outcomes once they did receive transplant. So amongst 1,525 such patients who were waitlisted, 
946 went on to receive a renal transplant, and what was noted was that receiving a renal transplant was associated with a 70% reduction in all-cause mortality. And that was largely because of a 90% reduction in cardiovascular deaths. So again, it used to be that patients who had diseased kidneys from lupus and scleroderma, and in this case, GPA, were not supposedly good transplant recipients, but that's changed. Uh, and this is good evidence in favor of transplantation in those who achieve end-stage renal disease uh, as a result of their GPA. So that's good news for your patients. What about the early arthritis patients that we talked about at the front end of the study of this report? The ESPOIR study, that's a French early RA cohort study, a 500, excuse me, a 400 patient, five-year study of RA patients. And what they found in this study was that radiographic progression occurred in almost 36%. Now, it's great to actually get early RA patients because they're uh, very amenable to treatment, but again, they also have more aggressive disease. They're more likely to have radio prog radiographic progression. They can be more difficult at the outset. This study says a very high rate. If you look at a lot of the uh, x-ray outcome studies and look at the number of people who don't progress as far as their x-rays, it's usually around 90% when you take all comers. But this is an early RA cohort uh, where they get a, a myriad of different therapies. And specifically, what they found in this study is that those who are going to progress to radiographic damage were those who are on high-dose steroids, suggesting that steroids was a surrogate for those with more aggressive disease. Those who weren't going to progress were those who received more than three years of biologic therapy. I think that's very interesting data. And, it's, and it jives with what's been out there before about the protective effects of methotrexate and TNF inhibitors when um, they clearly have some benefits, especially with regard to cardiovascular risk, but mainly it's after the patients have been on those therapies for two to three years or more. So I, again, I think this is important to realize that we need to find these patients early. We need to intervene aggressively right from the outset. Another study called the UAC study was also reported uh, in the literature. This came, this coming from Alzheimer's disease, 108 patients uh, who had DMARD naive early RA and they were treated with methotrexate right from the outset. The bad news is that after a year, um, only 52% of them, actually 48% of them, achieved a response. 52% were deemed methotrexate incomplete responders, meaning they did not achieve a DASH 28 of less than 2.6 or achieve less than four swollen joints at one year. So that's good, but not great. Um, but what are the predictors of not achieving a methotrexate response? Their analysis shows that having a high DASH-28 gave you a two-fold increased risk. Current smoking gave you a three-fold increased risk. And also was not receiving alcohol. So therefore, alcohol, which we know is anti-inflammatory, may have some protective effects in patients with early disease. So again, these two studies underscore the need to be aggressive and to find these patients and treat them early. A very interesting study came from the British Biologics Registry, and it's about, uh, they've had many reports about uh, serious infectious rates in their almost 20,000 patients that they followed longitudinally. In this particular report, they had an SIE rate of 5.5 per 100 patient years, meaning 100 patients followed for a year that five of them would end up in the hospital with a serious infection like pneumonia or sepsis or meningitis or septic arthritis, et cetera. But what I found interesting about the study was this stat, and that stat was for those that had an SIE, within the first 30 days following the SIE, the, the risk of death was 
I don't think anybody's really talked about that before. So developing a real SIE uh, in patients on a biologic does carry a significant morbid, if not mortal risk. Uh, and again, this is something that we need to be vigilant about uh, and educate our patients about. Uh, two more reports. One, an interesting study from Canada, from Manitoba and Calgary, a very large population-based study looked at uh, those with incident RA and specifically looked at the risk of developing depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorders. What they found was that there was a 46% risk of depression in these patients, a 24% risk of anxiety, a 21% of bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia was not increased um, in these patients. However, those that were at the greatest risk tended to be women and tend to be those in lower socioeconomic groups. So again, this is important because RA is hard to manage. Um, rheumatoid or, or, or rheumatologists struggle with managing the disease, but may not be aware of or be looking for signs of depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. And that again can be a, a, a complication as far as pain management, um, compliance, um, uh, achieving best outcomes for their rheumatoid arthritis. And this needs to be considered and watched for. The last report was actually uh, t uh, reported in MedPage today and also in Room Now. It's about the cancer risk in patients with psoriatic arthritis. Um, a bunch of Chinese investigators got together and did a meta-analysis of nine studies in over 43,000 PSA patients and showed that the overall risk of malignancy was increased 29% in PSA patients compared to the general population. So that led for an, I guess, an SIE, an SIR, of 1.29. Uh, this was higher in patients who were taking conventional DMARDs, where that rate went up to 75% increased risk with an SIR of 1.75 compared to the general population. Interestingly, if patients were on a biologic, there was no increased risk of, uh, of malignancy in PSA patients. And not surprisingly, as has been seen in many other studies of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis patients, the primary malignancy that they will experience is non-melanomanous skin cancers, where the rate is about 2.5-fold higher risk in patients with PSA. So that's it for Room Now and this week's review. Be sure to go to the website to click on these links to learn more about these reports. Be sure to follow us in the next uh, two weeks from now when we head to ULAR and report about what's going on there. Be sure to tell your friends to sign up for the, uh, the regular daily uh, emails and or for the podcast. We'll see you next week. Take care.